Hello, welcome. This is Reanimated. Uh, it's episode 276, and uh, my name is Stuart. And joining me is the invincible H.A. Conrad in New York. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hey, hi. Um, uh, well, happy 2021. And um, we're kicking off this year with kind of a weird, kind of a weird recap review of a uh, French film uh, this this week called Zombie Child. Yeah. Uh, I believe it came out in 2019. Um, and we don't have a whole bunch of news because unlike October, people do not wait until January 3rd to uh, to put out their zombie-related news items. And we have, 20, um, what is it, like a month and three weeks to wait until Walking Dead comes back on the airwaves with uh, season six episodes whatever 17 18 19 20 21 22 something along those lines um so that's where we're at and uh 2021 brings with it some well very scant news as i said and one of those is a clickbaity sort of piece from a few different outlets uh letting us know what nostradamus had to say about 2021 and honestly i mean i don't know that he's really gotten a lot right since, no, uh, in, I mean in the last couple of decades. I mean, the thing about Nostradamus is that you can kind of retrofit anything. Sure. I mean, they have this whole thing about it predicts that Trump was elected and all this other stuff. And uh, in this case, they're saying that it's predicting a zombie apocalypse. Um, so, and among other terrible things, there's yeah, there's lots here. of things. Like World War Three, meteor strikes, famines. Pan- yeah, not pandemics. I don't know. Did he get COVID? I don't know. They're saying that there's, you know, worse stuff to come, which is great. Um, but, you know, it's Nostradamus, so it's kind of one of those things, much like horoscopes, you can kind of generally fit things into it if you feel like trying hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, well... That's there. It's and then uh, in other uh, news, there was a little uh, something from Walking Dead. That uh, have you read all the way through? No, I haven't. I mean, there's just it's it's a lot of material to read through, and you know, so I have. How not. far did you get? Do you remember? Probably like about halfway through. Like what arc did you stop? Oh God, in I don't even after? know. I think it's the. It's probably the face people, the whisperers, maybe. Yeah, I think I I stopped. Basically, um, soon after Glenn was killed. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I did not get all the way through the Savior War. Yeah. So you know, um, but in this case, basically, killing zombies is illegal, and Carl gets into trouble. In this, in this universe, he's still alive. So, um, so there's that. Um, but really, not that much in the way of news right now. Um, how are things on the West Coast? Great. Super, super great. Yeah. Raining. Yeah. Just well, that's I, good for need. you. Yeah. All I need is rain for the next 12 to 24, 48 months. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, every day. I don't know if you really want that because the ground is so dry there that could cause landslides. And I don't know if you saw it, um, but <laughs> there was that crazy landslide, I think, over in Norway. Oh, I did see that video a few times. Yeah. There's like a house on that more than that it's several how it's just pretty it's pretty disturbing it just like basically uh, the middle of this whole town is gone 
Um, yeah. And shockingly, only a few, like bad enough that a few people are missing, but it's not as many as you would imagine because it happened like in the middle of the night. But um, the, I mean, fo- the yeah. photos are disturbing. <laughs> Let's just put yeah. it that way. No, I've seen that the video on loop. Um, the uh, and the ground here. I mean, this is this is basically ancient rainforest in a way. Like the the redwoods. These are these are trees that are used to a lot of rain, and and those forests are not doing so well without with uh, yeah. climate change. And so, I still think we could it, we we'd be okay with a there decent be- amount of rain. All right, fair, fair, fair. Um, but rain aside, uh, I don't feel like there's a whole lot we need to talk about with COVID vaccines keep pumping out. Um, there hasn't been a lot of, yeah, I've been disconnected from the news over the, over the holidays. So well, there um, is, there is one thing I want to talk about the vaccine and it's that? about that dude in Wisconsin who deliberately left stuff out, which I don't even know the motivation for that, but you know, basically he didn't want people to think that they'd be cured. It's hard to to say they haven't really come out yet with the reason, but the interesting well, I think thing, that's a quote from him was he was like, I don't want people are going to think that they don't need to worry about COVID, but they still do. Yeah. It feels like there's more than that. But, um, the interesting thing to me about that whole situation is that, so basically he left out specific doses of it two nights in a row. It's over. It ends up being over 500 doses. Yeah. Um, and somebody else discovered them out and thought that they were still okay because this is the Moderna vaccine that got left out. And so it, apparently it's okay um, if it's at room temperature for less than X number of hours. And then apparently when they were re- reviewing things and backtracking and questioning, they figured out that no, indeed, it was two nights. So like 57 people got inoculated with the the sort of with these doses, which were probably not viable at that point. And so now they have to figure out, this is like the thing I'm like, huh, how do you do that? So now they have to figure out what to do with the people who got the inoculations. Cause it's like, yep. do you just re-inoculate them? Do you wait X number of weeks and then basically give them three different shots total. So they're still trying to figure out what to do with that, but it's just interesting. I mean, the positive side is that it was caught. So but these are the kinds of things that, you know, I personally think that there has to be protocols in place for any vaccination um, initiative and especially not for people deliberately leaving it out because, you know, that's weird. But, you know, in general, just human error. I think you need to have basically checks, checks systems in place uh, to be able to make sure that these things are and especially I think with the the other, the Pfizer vaccine, which is a lot less uh, stable if you leave it out. It's got to be in this like crazy super freeze thing, like yeah. temperature. So I don't know. I just thought I was, it, I just thought it was interesting that they caught it. They caught it quickly. And, you know, now they're figuring out what to do. But it just makes you think how incredibly complicated this whole process is going to be so and fragile and yeah there's not there, i don't know like at, at every in every supply chain there's going to be points of failure that are, come down to one person right unfortunately that's just that's our system until we become a society of robots uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna have trouble there so um so yeah and i thought i also thought it was interesting that some of the more successful countries uh that have been sort of rolling along israel just because they have a very centralized healthcare system so they can notify everybody, just have them basically line up, do the shots and get them out. And they're like over 10% of their population at this point is inoculated. 
um, or at least with the first round. Um, that's a lot. So that's kind of impressive. Um, mm. So, you know, so one, one, one up for a centralized health care system. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's all I, we got for COVID news. Um, you know, yeah, this is we'll... probably going to be a short one. Okay. I mean, I, you know, like it's, yeah. So zombie child, let's just get to it. Um, this is a French film, as I mentioned, it's directed, written and scored by Bertrand Bonello. Mm-hmm. It's uh, set in Paris and the two main female stars. I didn't put everybody who was in the cast on here were Louis Lebec, who plays Fanny, and Wislanda Louis Matt, who mm-hmm. plays Melissa. And they are, and most of the action takes place on this school campus. Uh, some a school, maybe it's famous, but there, it's if it's not, they did a decent job of world building right. about this school and and its history. This is um, a very French feeling film. Yep. It's not a horror film. I'm kind of surprised it's on Shutter. Yeah, I mean, it's very much pulling from, I mean, Serpent in the Rainbow and those kinds of traditions. And it is um, vaguely... Dead Poet Society. Yeah, I mean, it's vaguely following, <laughs> you know, the whole, the 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 voodoo, Haitian zombie uh, lore, um, specifically related to um, Clarius Narcisse. Um, or Narcisse, um, and he's basically... And he's this, a real dude. He is a real dude, and he is the subject of, like, um, you know, this is a guy that um, basically um, in Haiti was treated at a hospital by, like, a multitude of doctors, died, was held in cold storage, and then um, uh, reappeared in 1980 to his wife, and the whole story behind it was that his brother was wanted this land or wanted this inheritance and so and was a was a a, a voodoo priest uh or a, like a hunan and basically made him into a zombie where he was forced into slave labor on a sugarcane plantation um and you know he escaped or like was not kept under the drug uh which is derivative of the pufferfish um and but basically because of the the culture in Haiti and his brother was still very very deeply involved in that hid out for many years and then reappeared in 1980 um to, and and to his wife and you know lived the second part of his life um yeah there's some weird stuff in this just in this movie with the timeline um because if he is made into a zombie in 1962 and he's born in 1922. He's already 40. Yep. He then goes back to his wife 18 years later in 1980 and yep. starts a family. Yeah. Uh, so he's 58. No, six, 58. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. It could <laughs> happen, but that's, time. I don't um, know. It depends on the age of his wife, too, you know. She doesn't look too young in that last scene. Um, this is his wife that he had in 1962. So Yeah. Uh, you know, unless she was a child bride. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the Haitian story is um, half of the movie, basically. Maybe a little less than half. The The film goes back and forth to Haiti and, and Paris. And Haiti, in the olden days, is basically following this um, version of the story of Clairvius Narcisse. And those scenes, all of these scenes are shot with kind of like the quiet 
reverence of a Terrence Malick. There's there's some pretty shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like just letting the background noise of the jungle do the talking. There's very little dialogue in the Haitian scenes right. other and there's, between there's... some of the slave owner or the slave managers, the zombie yeah. guys. Well, there's a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of the, it's clearly shot during the day, but with a night thing going on. And I, I actually thought that that was kind of successful because you, especially from uh, Clarius's point of view, um, you don't know whether it's day or night. And there's these weird moments where he, you know, he's kind of been kept in the dark all on and, and maybe that's the drug. Maybe they're actually working at night. It's They kind of mess with your senses a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's meant to give you a sense of what it's like to be him, which is in this very strange, half-drugged world. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I have questions about and people have questions about. I mean, they've done um, sort of studies about this to- this neurotoxin, which is the pufferfish stuff. And one of the things that you see in the beginning is somebody tearing apart a pufferfish, making up this toxin and putting it in somebody's shoes. And I'll admit to you, when, when that first opening scene came up, I thought it was not a man they were putting the stuff into the shoes because they look kind of small. Um, so I thought it was somebody else. And, and obviously I'm like, you know, already, I was already like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be somebody else's shoes or whatever. And, but it feels like, and, and we even see other people handle this powder, this substance. And if it's that sort of dangerous, like you see people handling it with their bare hands. So that confuses me a little bit. Maybe it has to be absorbed over a long period of time. Um, and in Clarius's cases, they, they imply that it's put into the shoes. Um, in real life, what happened is that he actually ended up in a hospital, like sort of spitting up blood and like he was there, they couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. And then, you know, pronounced him dead. Um, and he was dug up what, like a day after his funeral or something like that. Um, the, the other thing, the other question I have in just in general, and I just, you know, this is, there is some, uh, there are other accounts and people say that this is a real thing in Haiti, but to be using these quote unquote zombies as slave labor doesn't necessarily seem to be, I don't know that it seems like the best idea. It seems super inefficient. I mean, maybe it's cheap. Because they don't have to, they still have to feed them all. Right. But they're so slow, and yeah. all they see, like the ma- the handlers are just constantly in the field with them, going, "Go faster, work right. faster." And they, these guys have like no coordination. They're just moaning and like whacking ineffectually at sugarcane most of the time. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, this seems, I don't know, guys, like you probably could hire somebody to do this a million times faster and it would still work out in the right. end. Right. And, you know, and the other piece is that they can't talk and uh, the whole sort of folklore behind this or behind uh, Cla- Clarius's legend is that Clarius manages to get into uh, a bowl where he eats a uh, chicken leg or something and the whole thing is that if they eat salt or meat, the bonds of whatever this neurotoxin are broken. Um, and, you know, you can you can read a lot into like and and one of the you know, we, we've talked about this before, like the sort of the origins of the zombie um, folklore um, is is a little bit to do with this and or a lot to do with this and sort of the origin stories. Um but agree with you. I, I just think it's kind of a weird idea to keep people. I mean, I guess maybe if you're keeping people out of the way, I don't know that they really actually make a good 
labor. I kept waiting for somebody to chop his arm off or something because they're right? so out of it. Um, and yeah. they're working with machetes. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, that's an interesting piece of it. Um, and then the other thing that runs throughout this, which is like, these are like Clarice's story is spliced between, um, you know, the, the different takes at this, this French girl school, which is very like Hogwarts. It's very Harry Potter feeling, honestly, like they have, these crazy uniforms. It's a beautiful campus. Um, and a lot of, and I will say with the, the camera work, a lot of the scenes are totally beautiful. The light, um, throughout this movie, um, there's like some really cool scenes where they're at school. Um, and also with Clarivius on in, in Haiti, where there is a big focus, um, when you see sunbeams and when you see light, it really makes a difference or candlelight even. Um, so they really make good use of that. Um, there's this specific scene where they're in like PE class. I'll also say like overall this film, the, especially the school piece of this gave me some sort of like PTSD moments because I hated group sports um, and also in general like high school. Um, but there's there's one scene in the gymnasium with all the girls playing basketball and there's just these like beautiful okay. shots where they're kind of half in shadow but then end up in like a sunbeam here and there and it's really done well. Um, so from a cinematography point of view, I think the whole thing is really beautiful. And as you said, if this isn't a real place, the world building is done really well um, yeah. with just even just some minor shots. Like we have like classroom shots, but then we also have there's that one long hallway, which is like the sort of dormitory where they show a few times. Then there's the little like sculpture room or the art room. Um, and then they have some shots outside, but they do a lot with very few sort of um locations basically yeah <clears throat> um what did you think about like and then there's this other you know the whole obvious other theme running throughout this is the sort of the french cultural scene like theme um the nationality the the sort of um what are we working towards as a society and how it's very different from the haitian um, belief system and there's like a lot of colonialism pieces here um, and that is surrounding the character of Melissa, um, who is, she's from Haiti. Her parents, uh, her mother won the Legion of Honor um, and that's how we find out that everybody, every kid at this school, one parent or both parents have received the Medal of Honor or a military honor. So they're they're viewed as sort of the future of France, which is interesting, and putting putting forth uh, French ideals. And but Melissa is very much the outcast. Um, there's a lot of I don't think she's the outcast. Um, like the the whole the whole beginning and premise of this story is Fanny is the outcast, and she's the one who feels very much alone. A lot of the uh, exposition for this film is done through monologues that she's. Right. In like her letters or something that you actually never see her write or emails or whatever it is or text messages to this unknown um, <laughs> person. Love interest that eventually becomes more clear. But I'm not sure if they were necessarily ever a real person. It's kind of uh, one of these things. But so Fanny is like this. She feels very much isolated and alone. You do find out later that Melissa also feels like uh, isolated and alone. And Fanny me makes mention that that's why she befriended her because she seemed to be lonely. Uh, and 
there are a lot of these scenes are of like groups of French girls talking to each other and having conversations and having community. And Fanny is often not part of that. Melissa, once she joins that sorority, becomes more engaged. But you can you also have these scenes of the four other four, three, four other French white girls. Um, definitely the blondie. Yep. Kind of being like she's weird. She makes weird noises. Um, but well, yeah, in, there's, in there's the blonde weird, girl's there's, defense, she does eventually make some weird noises. <laughs> yeah, so. she does, but not till yeah. It's yeah. I, honestly, um, I found this movie difficult to watch, difficult to sit through. And at an hour into it, I was like, it still feels like it's the first act. Uh, there's the plot just does not move, and the the best part of the film happens at the last ten minutes, and yeah. then it's over. And so I, I was pretty disappointed. In, I um, I in felt how like there they was decided to do the pacing. Yeah, the I I thought that there would be. It felt like it kept with both parts of the story, both the the Claria story and then the the girls' school story. It kind of felt like it wandered there for a really long time and you're right I don't think it got to the more interesting pieces until the end and even then it was sort of unclear um I still yeah. feel like Melissa was an outcast and we we find when she's talking to her aunt later that that's indeed how she feels um and that there is some symmetry there between her um and Fanny and but it, like in general I think like there's this also feeling about school being isolating in general. I don't think they're the only ones who actually feel this way. Um, and even when they're sort of gathered in a group, they all seem to have this weird loneliness. Um, and you sort of see it. I thought especially it was noticeable um, when, you know, they're all trying to do their best and they're all like dressed up in their uniforms and you hear the directive from the superintendent of the school who's like the tiniest little French woman and they do and they do their weird um, salute Backwards. which is the strangest yeah. thing with their you know one of them claps and then they all kind of bend backwards strangely <laughs> um, I think you and I should start saluting each other that way what do you think uh, absolutely yeah for sure um, but I, I think it's you know focusing on these two but I think that part of it is that they all feel isolated. Um, and then sure, the maybe I, I just don't. Yes, they, they, it doesn't, it certainly makes school feel like this miserable holding pattern of life. And, right. um, and the, they, the girls are constantly talking about the pressure and how stressed they are and how their grades aren't going to be good enough to get a medal. And that's a huge bummer. It doesn't make it interesting. It doesn't make it like, I don't know. And maybe we're supposed to learn that we're being too hard on the kids or, I don't know, as a society, but it's just, it's part of, like, part of what they complain about is how the last 15 minutes have taken two hours. Yeah. And he's often <laughs> writing to Pablo saying, it's, you know, interminable until I can see you again at half term. I think this whole movie takes place over two weeks, but it honestly feels like a million years. And, it does. And um, I think that's part of what the director's trying to get across. But it does it too well because it honestly, it's such a slow, it's beyond a slow burn. This is like, it was raining when they tried to light the fire and it just went out. Yeah. Uh, and I also thought me. that especially bringing the aunt into it so late, yeah. um, that was still, it was inexplicable to me that like the whole storyline with Fanny 
kind of figuring out where the aunt lived and whatever, none of that is really explored enough. And the more, and as you said, the more interesting parts of this all happen at the end and still it's kind of confusing. And I don't fully, you know, like there is that, I mean, they're clearly hitting upon like white privilege and this lack of understanding that, and that these are very important and in embedded cultural things that you don't mess with. But Fanny's like, worried about her boyfriend um and there is that that feeling like is this a real person or even if he is um you know that she's maybe idealizing this and he's just like this outside touch point um which i think probably happens a lot in high school anyway um there's like i thought that there was at one point when you know all the all the girls are dancing as a group together um, there's this one point where Fanny's like fantasizing about her boyfriend, Pablo. And there's this weird thing with, uh, Melissa where she says she wants, she's going to eat her. Yeah. And I thought from there, I'm like, oh, okay, now we're getting into this. And then we, nothing happens. And nothing that. happens with that. Um, so I really thought that there was going to be a lot more or really like at that point in the movie, but I agree with you there, it, this was more, there was no slow burn. This was like a fizzle out and then yeah. kind of a, confusing... it's not a horror film. It's, it is a, it's a colonialism and what is the future of France film? Like you've said. Right. And so I don't know what it's doing on shutter. I feel like that's false advertising. It yeah. shouldn't be on shutter. It should be on some art house channel. Yeah. And I also thought that, I mean, there could have been some really cool things to explore the Clarius thing they needed to tie in that story a lot more with Melissa's current situation with her aunt. Um, we're left with a lot of questions. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, one of the better scenes in the movie is the whole possession scene where Fanny's just kind of messing with this thing. Cause she weirdly wants, you know, connection with the boyfriend and she, I don't think she really even understands what she's asking for. And then the aunt, I don't really believe that the aunt, if she took these practices seriously, which she appears to would do this. Um, she knows that it's an offense to, to do this ceremony on the day. Cause it's like this very important day, um, celebrating Clarvius Narciss. Um, you don't mess with that. I don't think she would do it for money. I certainly don't think she would do it for this weird schoolmate that just appears. Yeah, she has no idea for of this money. Girl's... I mean, she obviously has a bunch of jobs, right? She's like right. walking dogs. She's, uh, she's tutoring some white kid. And she she does talk about the need for money at one point, which is to fly home with Melissa for the ceremony. But it's on that day. There's no point in right. her doing this at the last second for this fifteen hundred euros. And I do agree with you that, she, you know, she's supposed to be smarter than this as a character, I think. But we also don't know her that well because she was only introduced in the third act. Right. And she is, I mean, look, to her credit, you learn a lot about it. I mean, I feel like you do learn a lot about how her life is. Um, but then there's also this sort of like interesting little thing where she's saying that Melissa doesn't have memories. And Melissa then is explaining to the group of girls that zombies get their memories wiped and they don't even know it. And so there's this weird implication that maybe Melissa has continued this weird zombieism. But they, and you know, you see her making the weird noises and you see this weird, strange stuff going on with her, but they never get fully into that, which is, which is just strange. Um, and again, M Melissa's aunt is, she takes this stuff seriously. And she even says to Fanny, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't believe that she would do this. And in knowing how this stuff works, I just don't find it plausible that she would do this for Fanny. And especially, 
like the way it's all secretive. Like Fanny makes up a family death to get away, um, to basically be able to go and see Melissa's aunt. She's yeah, where she staying in this overnight, right? Like, did she go home? I don't know. Who, where is she parents? hiding out? There's very little explained about how she's able to leave school other than she's apparently at a funeral. But then this takes place over two days. And so she, in theory, has to go somewhere to sleep. Right. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that isn't explored. Um, But I will say that that final sort of the possession scene, that thing was pretty cool and terrifying. That was good. I just wish that that had happened in like at the end of Act One or during Act Two. And then we could explore What's going to happen with Fanny? Is she still possessed? What is the outcome or what is what are the implications of Katie's death and how is that going to affect Melissa? And yeah, like there's just a ton that isn't looked at here because, again, that's not what this movie's about. And it, I'm sure for the director, he's like, of course, I'm not going to talk about that. That's not this is a film about, you know, France and <laughs> colonialism and our effect on Haiti and Haiti's effect on France and you know, liberalism, Napoleon. Yeah, it's, it's it's just not. Yeah, I um, and it's not really even a movie about zombie voodoo. It kind of is. There's, no, but there's a zombie voodoo theme, but I don't think that's what they were really pushing here either. Yeah. And it was just. Yeah. So I'm I'm agreeing with you, I guess, because it was so beautifully shot. And honestly, I do think that the cast was good. Um, and I do think that they were doing what they could with whatever they were, you know, given. Um, but I just wanted there to be more and it felt like I'm wondering like why the decision was made for, in terms of all of this pacing and strangeness. Um, and weirdly it got like pretty high marks. It's got great. It's got 80% on, uh, on zombie tomatoes, <laughs> rotten tomatoes, 80, 86% from critics, 60 from audience. So I think it's just a matter of who, uh, Who's who's expecting what out of this film? It right. did well. It can. Um, it's just not not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I yeah I I guess I just wanted a lot more from it, and I wanted a lot more from. I wanted a lot more about the aunt. I wanted a lot more about Melissa, and like we hear from her, and we hear from her aunt. Like we've heard now, like we hear the two sides of their conversation eventually on the phone. Um, it just feels like there's a lot more mystery there that we're trying to figure out. I mean, even in the aunt's house, there's that whole big wall um, sort of painting or poster or photograph, and it's the same ruins that um, Clarvius looks like he's hanging out in mm-hmm. for the 20 years or so <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, while he's waiting to come back to life. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's a lot there that isn't talked about. Um, she she has these conversations with different people, and she's mentioning all these individuals, and she does talk a little bit to Fanny about Melissa's mother, but not really. You don't you don't get more of this story, and I think that there, for me at least, there had to be more of this story to make it better. Um, and it didn't. You know, the ending shot is of Melissa in this white nightgown um and that's it and it's just really and then they sort of do like some some sort of wrap up about clairvius Mm -hmm. and it just feels like there's a lot missing here and i am very curious i did try to find whether there were things cut whether there was more information about this and there really isn't (laughs) so 
I mean, other than the clear, clearly colonialism themes, um, there isn't a ton more about this film or about the intention. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know that this belonged on Shudder. I don't know where it belongs exactly. Um, but pro- this sort of surprised me where, where it ended. <laughs> so, um, and it was like, you know, it's a good hour and a half. And most of the quote unquote action happens what in the last ten minutes, if that yep. if. So you know. Um so anyway, I I think if you want sort of like a pretty film, um, this is definitely um there's some beautiful cinematic shots in this. Um, yeah, if you but want nostalgia. Some of those are just like beautiful cinematic shots for their own sake, also when well, actually, that's not true. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm thinking of the bathroom scene where all the girls are like washing their faces. Mm-hmm. There's tons of girls, uh, one at every sink. You remember this scene? Yeah. It's like halfway through the film. And it's dark. The lighting is amazing. It's just like these stark white lights over their heads, but it's quite steamy in there. And so there's like a glow to everything also. And it's silent, but with music. Like you can't hear dialogue mm-hmm. and there are just girls washing their faces and brushing their teeth and talking to one another. And Fanny's there just like rubbing her face with a towel. I, Other than, I guess, to also, again, show that Fanny is not having any conversations with people. I don't know what this scene does and what, what it's for other than it's beautiful. And that doesn't seem like storytelling. Well, I mean, I think there's supposed to be some ambiguity um, about you know, because for for the, you know, we hear a lot of Fanny's narration about her letters to this unknown love interest. Uh, there's a lot of mention, you know, like she she's looking at a lot of other girls and and is even talking about how attractive they are sometimes with her friends. So I think there's supposed to be some ambiguity there. Um, and this is part of that. It's part of like what the world is around them. And maybe what you covet. But I agree with you. It felt a little... They didn't do anything with the scene other than have it focus on that one girl. And then they left, let that go. Oh, the uh, uh, shower scene too. Yeah, that's like the... This is maybe... she She's in her narration. She's talking about a Lola who approached her for like, you know, as like someone who might be a love interest. But she turned her down because she only has eyes for Pablo, who's this guy in the woods. Uh, but they did nothing with that scene either. Um, yeah, other than it's just there and she just she's staring weirdly. And I was wait, waiting for something to happen with any of this. It just there are so many little things that they start and don't do anything with. Right. I However, mean, and I, I do I think, think that there's like the ultimate sort of commentary, which is that all these girls are kind of like zombies, <laughs> which, you know, fine, I guess. But again, if this is just. Um, it, it's a movie that I think has a lot of good ideas and maybe good intentions in terms of where it's trying to take you. I just don't think it succeeds in taking you there. And it's not even like leaving that stuff open-ended makes you sort of draw your own conclusions. I just feel it feels very unfinished to me, um, which, you know, um, it's it's a little bit... Um, I like it's hard to know what they were trying or what he was trying to do um overall um but anyway um but I think that's about all I have to say about it 
yeah, that's that's about where I am too. So this is a uh, short podcast. We haven't done one of these in a while. I feel like we've been kind of breaking the hour mark uh, every time. But this uh, this movie kind of breaks our our model a little bit, and um, well, we'll we'll try to we'll try to get back on track for the next one. And um, so you can let us know what you think about Zombie Child. Of course, we're always interested in people telling us the, that we're wrong or that you agree with us wholeheartedly. <laughs> so either way, uh, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, reanimatedpcast on Twitter, or our show notes are online at reanimatedpodcast.com. Uh, next time we're going to get together and uh, review a Spanish-language film set during Mexico's War of Independence named Ladronas de Almas. And we will see what that has in store for us. And uh, H.A., any words of wisdom to impart? No, just... Uh... Happy 2021, all. Let's hope Nostradamus is incorrect. (laughs) Until next time, ciao, and thanks for listening. All right, thank you, and bye-bye.